In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day. It's Friday. It looks like we made it. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Got a great show for you today. And let me just say, it is my pleasure to introduce our esteemed guest, Shane Smith, the principal and founder of Everetics. With over two decades of invaluable experience in navigating the complexities of small and large enterprise software, SaaS business, Shane has successfully addressed challenges ranging from recession to hypergrowth and IPOs. As the visionary leader behind Everetic, Shane has established a company committed to paying it forward and overcoming customer support, service, and success challenges. Everetics offers a spectrum of services, including CX financial modeling, fractional leadership, support work 360, and a support and service readiness assessment. Shane's dedication to exceptional services as the backbone of success is evident in his approach to delivering <laughs> practical and strategic CX solutions. His expertise has been widely recognized by industry leaders and prestigious awards, including the TSIA Customer Success Gold Star Standard and the, the Stevie Customer Success Award and the Service Strategies Support Center Practices Certification. Shane Smith, thank you for being here today, my friend. How are you? I'm nervous after that intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm doing awesome, George. How are you? I'm well, thank you very much. And it's nice to be here. And I love conversations where I get to speak with people who get to teach me things. And you and I were just talking briefly before the show. What an amazing time we live in and, and how successful things can be if you're willing to take a different approach. Yeah, think about things more broadly, right? And and be okay, be okay with learning something new or or thinking different about you know, a problem. And, and I, I personally feel like that's where the uh, magic happens. You know, if yeah, you want the same result, do the same thing everybody else is doing, you know, and we saw how that worked out in 2023. So yeah, <laughs> at least in uh, SAS tech world, but yeah, that's an interesting, it's an interesting world. The software as a service, like how did you get into, how did you get, find yourself in that, in that aspect? Oh my Lord. So, so a little bit, I guess, about me, George. Sure. Um, so I, I was born um, a geek, a nerd, um, back before it was cool to be a geek and a nerd. So uh, we used to, you know, call it propeller heads. My, my God-given <laughs> gift was uh, software programming programming. So I was first published uh, back in the days I, for some of your viewership, there used to be magazines that we would buy mm -hmm. and you would have to type in the codes. And if you, and you had a special program and it would tell you whether or not you typed in the line exactly right. And you'd go through pages and pages and pages of this. Um, so I was first published in one of these magazines um, when I was in fifth grade. And <clears throat> Kind of stuck stuck with that, and it was 
when I say it was my God-given talent, that's the only talent. It's not transferable <laughs> to languages. I passed uh, I passed Spanish with a D minus, Spanish two in high school with a D minus and a promise to my Spanish two teacher that I wouldn't take Spanish three based on class <laughs> participation. I have never worked harder in my life in a class than Spanish two. So it's not transferable, but computer languages were really, really easy. So went to school, joined the Air Force, um, actually targeted ICBM missiles. Wow. <laughs> um, but again, just all software. Got out of the Air Force <clears throat> after a great experience, by the way. So got out of the Air Force, did some consulting, and there was a company that called BEA Systems. Everybody wanted to work at BEA Systems. And I would have pushed a broom. I would have done the toilets at BEA Systems up to and including taking a support job. So I went from a Java architect at the time, and we were in Omaha, Nebraska, and we moved to Boston, which was near where I was grew up anyway. And I took a support job and at my dream company, right? And it was amazing. And it didn't take me very long after working there to realize that I was probably in the right place um, in the support job or in the hierarchy based on just the brilliance that this company had employed with them. And I did that job for a uh, support job for six months. And at the end of that six months, I would have rather done the toilets or pushed the broom <laughs> and including uh, taking a management job. So this is the kind of my big inflection point for me. I was dealing with a customer escalation and it was a kind of a gnarly one as a support engineer. And on Friday, you know, I was a support engineer. And then over the weekend, I became a manager because I went to the dark side and, and took that opportunity. On Monday, I came back into the same exact customer escalation and the customer treated me so nicely unlike what they had done you know the week prior and i didn't change that much over the weekend right it was basically the same human and what really struck me um and i i really genuinely mean it is <clears throat> how much harder and more challenging the job of sitting in the chair of the support person or the customer service person is rather than the managers and the leaders. And this was, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of the dot bomb days, so around 2000-ish. Yeah. And before servant leadership was something that you see on LinkedIn posted, you know, every two or three times. And, and that kind of carried me forward. I also, and I went and I did multiple, multiple leadership roles and in support and service, though, though I never forgot who had the harder job. It was my job to go get the coffee for the people doing the hard work, not, not the other way around. And then something else happened to me, and I was reflecting on this with somebody else, I think, last week. I essentially hit Powerball. So I have a story unlike most people do where I can go through my career including all the way back down to like the Air Force days. I have never, ever, ever had a bad boss. Okay. I had one okay. briefly. <laughs> and we saw how that worked out. <laughs> However, you know, I mean, I've probably worked for 40 people, you know, throughout my career. And every single one of them have just been fantastic mentors and coaches to me. Um, and... So when, when we talk about Everetics and paying it forward, I, I've had most of the support roles. Um, I've led teams, you know, and, and I've also been so damn lucky in my career that in December, <laughs> despite the, despite the uh, maybe the economic circumstance, I was in a place where I could, you know, go out and start paying it forward and i have a lot of debt to pay for <laughs> a lot of debt so that's a that's a little bit about me well that's a lot of bit about me i love it you know you and i had have talked previously 
And I was, as, as I hear you talking again, now there's something you said in one of our last conversations that was something along the lines of the people at the top should treat the people that they that they lead the way they want those people to treat their customer. Do you remember? Maybe you can oh, yeah, that out. Yeah. you can say that again and, and talk to that a little bit. I thought that was really awesome. Yeah. So I, I'm a big based on that story, and hopefully yeah. it makes a little bit of sense where that's coming from now. Yep. Um, the employee experience. You treat your employees the way you want them to treat your customers. Right. And, and it's just that simple. The, the employee, a happy employee, an empowered employee, a, uh, an autonomous employee, you know, yeah. of course we're going to have processes and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'll share a story. I'll share a story to Please. kind of, to, uh, kind of put a pin on this. That's it. The, the employees are going to take care of your customers if they're loyal and they're happy, happy employee makes a happy customer. That's the rocket science. So back in the 80s, there was a movie called E.T. or The Extraterrestrial, and and they nailed it. Despite all the bad things that we did in the 80s, <laughs> E.T., E.T. got it. Be kind. It's just that easy. It's just that easy. Here, here's a real-world example, and it's pretty tragic, but it's true. Um, one of my uh, earlier bosses, my mentors, had something terrible, terrible happen to him and his son, who was about 30, mm. passed. Um, and unexpectedly passed away. So, and I mean, as a parent, that's our worst nightmare, right? To have to deal with that. So he he's he's from another country, but living in the US, and he made phone calls, you know, back international calls and so forth and so on. And then he got his bill, <laughs> his, his mobile phone bill, and it was quite large. So he called the phone company just to kind of audit through it, didn't want anything, went through it, explained to him, explained to them, you know, what had happened. And the, uh, the wireless agent put him on hold for about 10 minutes. And now he's a customer service guy too. So yeah. he's kind of getting mad, right? Right. And, and, uh, came back on the phone. They said, you know, Mr. So-and-so, this is an example of an empowered agent, right? Somebody mm -hmm. can go outside a process. I just want you to know we've comped your entire month and next month. So, and, and then within the week, he told me he got flowers at his door from the company. Wow. Now, come on. That's it. And then and when he was telling me this story, he was like, I will never leave this company. <laughs> That's a loyal customer right there. And yeah. that was an example of somebody being a human being to somebody else. Being kind. So. I love it. Treat, treat your employees right. Treat your yeah. employees right. And be kind. That's the rocket science. How do you think that that mobile, mobile company is going to be able to pay their shareholders, though? <laughs> They're doing <great. laughs> <laughs> they're doing very very well <laughs> it is the uh that i mean i don't i can't name drop i guess but I it's know. the biggest it's the biggest wireless company in the u.s yeah i love that story and i hope the people listening are are affected by it I and mean, it's amazing how an, an act of kindness like that could be contagious not only for the people that the conversation is between but for the the workplace environment, when they start hearing about that and start understanding, wow, I feel great about this. I kind of like being here now, you know. And it just it just pays these 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 empathy dividends that radiate outwards and make things a little better. Too often we hear the opposite side of that. Where yeah. I work for a large multinational corporation, a giant brown truck delivered packages, uh -huh. and the, the the level of dehumanization on some there, where you you, you go in and you're you know, you, you, you have to walk this barbed wire fence and then you have to go through this metal detector in case you're stealing something or bringing in a weapon. And then you go into the office and your name is has like an equal sign by all these numbers. And then there's a yeah. minus by this number. And then you're pulled in because, hey, we don't think that you're really getting measured by these variables the right way. And just the level of like, we hey, you realize that my kid was sick yesterday? Like that has never even entered into the equation. 
That's and you right. Can, it's palpable in there sometimes. Like there's yep. people may not know that, but in a lot of warehouse, there's fights. People commit oh, yeah. suicide. There's accidents. Oh, yeah. There's injuries, and those two were contagious on another level. Mm-hmm. By the time that emotion radiates to eight thousand miles away to a guy in a boardroom, it's like that number is easily replaced. You know, so it's, sometimes it feels like it's being worked against us. Do you see this landscape changing, or maybe those are two different m- methods, or? You know, how do we get to be more like the first example and less like the second example? Yeah, it's really it's a really interesting uh, question, and this is unscientific, uh, but it's my opinion. What I've seen, especially in technology and SaaS this year, obviously budget constraints. Right, we're in the official not recession recession right now, and. <clears throat> What I have experienced and what I've seen and what I've coached some clients on is very, the backside of a riff or a reduction in force means there's less people at the company to do the same amount of work, usually, right? And we've had, I I had have a client, he was an individual contributor. He spent one year, one year as a manager, one and now as a director within that's that's his learn on the job training one year and uh he reached out to me because he was like you know basically i don't i don't know what i'm doing or you know something like like super smart guy they made the right decision and but he's in a hyper growth SaaS company and i think we have a lot of people now because of what's happened in this economy right or wrong good or bad that are now being thrust into roles that maybe they don't, they didn't have the benefit of like what I had with right. the mentors and going through. Plus, everybody's too busy or too gainfully employed, you know, to to spend the time. I I think there is a I think there's a knowledge gap on leaders, and it's not saying that people are bad. I think right. 90, again, not scientific. I would gander that ninety nine percent of the people out there mean well. They want to be kind. You know, however, they haven't had the, they're learning on the job or they're being stressed by somebody as well. I think there's two sides of the equation and um, like a benefit of the doubt goes a a long way, I think, in that regard. So how do we get, how do we get closer to that? Um, You know, let's give, let's give the leaders some support too. It's not all about, you know, it's mostly about our employees, but it's a little bit about our leaders as well. Like, let's help them. Again, 99% of them want to probably be good. Yeah. Maybe you just don't know yet. How? Yeah. Um, yeah I, I don't I know. know. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting, you know, conundrum, I think, you know, that we're in. But. Yeah, I see it shifting. I see the... The idea of mental health is really beginning to find a foothold in corporations and places, whether it's retreats or whether it is having a, a, a mental health committee or a mentor committee there. And, you know, there really is becoming places where people that if they have a problem, they can go to other employees or maybe they have a certain manager that they like that they can turn to that's that's really wanting to help them solve the problem rather than them be productive or maybe getting them to solve the problem equals much more productivity. You know, there's a novel idea. Look, if we can make our relationship better, everyone's going to be more productive. Like that's a pretty good way to look at it. And I see it kind of shifting. Do you, do you kind of see the landscape shifting? It, it seems like a lot of the books that were written in 2000 around that time were like, you know, uh, the opposite of good is great. And like all these books that were kind of were like, you got to scare everybody, man. And people (laughs) respond to intimidation, not love, you know, but that seems to be shifting now. (laughs) You know, you know, it's it's funny. You bring up uh, Jim Collins book. Good to great. That's one of my favorites, by the way, I I had a mandatory book list when, uh, when I brought in managers and that was one of the three books (laughs) on there. Um, Leadership, self-deception, good Mm -hmm. to great, because that's the way that, the world kind of thinks about things still. Yep. So, you, you know, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Read the book. So when somebody says, you know, <laughs> wrong seat on the bus, you know what that means. 
right? What What's the other one? Uh, leadership and self-deception, good to great. Oh, and now discover your strengths. Those those are were the three requirements. We can't we can't even go on till you've read those three books. But um, you know, do do I see it shifting? Honestly, no. I I don't. I think people I think people want to be good. I think people innately want to be good. Nobody goes. There might be a couple, but most people don't go home and want to you know somebody else to die in a fire or something like that though in this constrained environment um it's a pressure cooker it's yeah. a pressure cooker um and it is for the leaders too you know and then and then what happens is i'll, I'll give you another real example I, I was out with my better half uh we are universal studio hollywood geeks so we go there probably every other week, by the way, because of their customer experience. It's amazing. Can't promote them enough. Um, so we we were there and this is kind of like our recharge time. Mm -hmm. So so we're there, just she and I, and she gets an email on her phone. It's a Saturday, I don't know, like 10. 10 o'clock in the morning, 10.30 in the morning from her uh, her sea uh, level executive, no description, meeting Monday morning. Okay, so given this economy and you get an email with no description on a Saturday for first thing Monday morning, where does your head go? I, I know where mine goes. Like, uh-oh, right? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and she was terrified the entire weekend. Now, Monday morning came around and, you know, we're all braced and ready. It was just, it was just a check-in. Okay. You know, um, this, this thing over here or whatever ruined her entire weekend. Like that's, that's terrible leadership. Yeah. And I don't think that, you know, it happened intentionally. But, but it probably is something that, you know, if they had been through like junior varsity management training class, then then they would have known maybe to not send that email or put, you know, four, you know, four more seconds in and type a few words. And, you know, that happens all, all over the place. So I don't know. That That's my that's my thought, I guess. I don't think it's getting better. I think. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a little while before we can start addressing the the leadership gap at least in tech and SaaS. It makes sense when I think about it a leadership gap in education. If we look at it from a demographic point of view, you know, there's a large percentage of of the baby boomer generation that has been in power for a long time and that still hold the keys to the kingdom. You know, one one of the biggest problems that I see in, in, in what I do and in the, some of the executives that I talk to is that there is a tendency to not share information, if that makes sense. A lot of people have gotten to places and they know a lot of things, but they're like, hey, I had to earn this the hard way. I'm not going to give it to them. And I think in some ways that really hinders the next the next group of people because are they going to learn what you learn? Why don't you want to share? Are you is it because you're afraid that you're losing an edge, you're losing your spot, or they're not going to learn things the right way? But maybe we could speak to this idea of not of withholding information. Like that's a pretty big one, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's kind of ironic. I'm going to call you out on this, George. Okay, please. Um, you you kind of made fun of good to great a few minutes ago, <laughs> and uh, I think good to great exactly talks about the levels of leadership, right? And to use another tragic example, you know, I'm pretty sure Apple is one of, if not the biggest successful tech company in the world, right? And and Steve Jobs died. And he passed, and now Tim Cook runs Apple. And I don't think they missed a beat in the process. So sharing, sharing, sharing and imparting knowledge if you're if you're being a great leader you you are setting yourself up to be replaceable it's not about you anymore as a leader it's about your team right. it's about your people your humans you know that are relying on you 
and you i i have i have seen it and mm -hmm. and you know as far as harboring that knowledge and locking onto it and when i've had employees bring it up or or say this um flippantly you're fired if you know if you're going to harbor that knowledge you're not helping the tribe yeah right and and at that point you're better not just like leave we'll figure it out and then the tribe will all know it so uh when when i was in college i was taking a class and uh i know a true story but it stuck right. with me too a, a pastel class and um the the professor recounted a story i don't know if it's true or not but i know that he did recount the story this part's true where in a corporate world so this probably would have been the 80s um there was a software engineer that was writing code doing this program program comes out great looks good the uh the boss looks at it and all of his variables are named after uh mythical gods <laughs> right and and the idea is like you should be able to show code and like humans that don't do it right. for a living should be able to look at it and at least make sense of it but if you have zeus you know zeus plus plus that makes no sense so he said said uh why did you name all your variables after mythical gods and uh the the programmer the software engineer supposedly told him um job security <laughs> and and the the uh the boss said you're fired so you have to you have to share knowledge don't hold on to it and the thing is now between ai between google yeah it's i have a good friend in sales and we debate on this pretty 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 often however uh i i'm in the camp where like knowledge knowledge is so widespread out there it's free you know i can have my opinion i can have my experience that's valuable the knowledge itself is free so why you know why try to harbor it why try to sell it now my sales for my sales friend will 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 fight fight me on this but but uh it's the way i see the world at least yeah it's 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 well done and i i think especially when it comes to 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 sales it's interesting in in steve jobs biography he talks about you can see the trajectory of a company and that when the founder leaves or when when sales start to fall or when profits start to fall the engineers go to the wayside and the sales team comes up and he says that's a sure oh, yeah. sign that your company is going to die like when you allow the people that move the needle you know to to start using rhetoric or using these these methods of enhancement in some way because because they are enhancing it in some way and, and i'm not using that as a pejorative but like you know in some ways they're making things better but it's it's kind of this illusion like this this idea that you know you can use the trivium in order to make it better and maybe you can but yeah like yeah. i i think that there's there's something to be said about the the dissemination of information from that level but it, it, it's interesting you know i i and i don't I, and i should clarify like i i spent my my limited knowledge of business and and relationships with employees to management comes from me being a union guy so i'm totally biased on one side you uh -huh. know I mean? and so yeah. that's why i tend to like i find myself going down this path of like what about that i try to be i try to be more open and, and more empathetic to both sides as someone who's led a mentor program or a safety committee and, and uh -huh. speak to younger drivers and it's it's just it's just interesting and i'm sure i've always fantasized about working for like a startup or a smaller company where the culture was really welcoming to everybody you know there's a great story about uh you know the the nasa project when we were putting men on the moon and and mm -hmm. i forgot who it was that walked into the nasa headquarters like at three in the morning there's a janitor pushing a broom and yeah. they're like what are you doing here sir and he's like i'm putting a man on the moon yeah you know it's just this idea of like wow like yeah you're right you are doing it why of course you are like that's the kind of foundation that i think takes a company a program an organization or an idea to the next level is this idea that we're all in this thing me yep. you everybody coming up on that that's a powerful that's a powerful idea right there wouldn't you say 
Oh, I think it's tremendous. Uh, tremendous. It's funny. Uh, having been in the uh, United States Air Force, I I realize uh, mileage may vary, right? <laughs> Everybody has got own their own experiences. But going back to my story, I've never had a bad boss. Yeah. And and one of the things I believe that the military does exceedingly well is, it, at least based on my own personal experience, the cook to the stealth fighter pilot are all important. And they're all aligned to that one mission, just like you were saying in your NASA yeah. story as well. And company, say what you will, there, there are certainly, you know, dark sides of the military and stuff like that. And again, mileage may vary. Um, however, they nail that. It is fraternal. No doubt about it. And yes, they are bad bosses in the military, too. I just didn't get them. And company companies have a harder time um, emulating that. And, and, you know, and make no, make no mistake, right? If any of your listeners out here... Uh, are at work and you think it's a family make no mistake business is not family yeah. you can have friends there um but <clears throat> business is business and and hopefully it's a happy place <laughs> however you don't you don't riff your son or your daughter from your family right yeah. Um, I, I wrote a post the other day on LinkedIn um, where I said, you know, I've got to I've got to come clean. I laid <laughs> off my 10 uh, year old on Friday. He he was on a pip and mm -hmm. he jumped over the soccer ball and the other team scored. So we had to let him go. Yep. You don't do that. That's you know, that's the ridiculousness of uh, kind of the corporate culture and where we are at right now, in my opinion. It's not family. Yo. Yeah, it's not. So so. Make it a good place, um, you know. Build congruent relationships and and understand understand a business is a business. It doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? And relationships are important, you know. For crying out loud, I met my wife, you know, at work. So mm -hmm. so those those things happen. But business is business, and and I think from my perspective, George. I have spent a lot of time, and perhaps this is something that I learned too late. Yeah. Um, in the tech and the business world, is is financials. So so there are a lot of there are a lot of impassioned customer service leaders out there, hearts of gold, um, and when and there's. You know, statistics here are like I've got them all written down, yeah. or at least a lot of them all written down here. Um, we all know, and I think we know innately, like a happy customer is like that's a good thing, right? Happy yeah. customers, like they're probably gonna buy more or stay yeah. longer or any of that kind of thing. And, and the statistics go on and on and on that prove that. Here's here's the problem though. Um, CFO, who I'm sure probably understands. And because they're also a human, understands these statistics, uh, they have a budget sheet. Okay, so what they're what the question that leaders, including myself, have been asked is: Okay, if we give you seventy thousand dollars to go hire somebody, how does that affect this number? Mm -hmm. And we go, yeah, but customers will love us. And da, da, da. no, that's not a number. <laughs> That's not a number. Right. And and what has happened this year in particular is there are some financial, they're not all good, but there are some financial guidelines and rules that the people that are funding companies with, they had to follow. Mm -hmm. And the result of that was cuts. And people weren't able to communicate back. Like if I had that extra headcount, then actually my OPEX goes down and my GRR is going to go up by, you know, 1%. And by the way, I'll put that in numbers for you. You know, that's about a $50,000, you know, uplift. Does that make, now, now is that a good thing? Heck, you know, that $70,000 headcount now actually is only about $20,000. Maybe that's a good decision. 
right? But support and service leaders typically will will gloss over and shut down when you start talking about financials. So in my in my consulting business, Everetics, one of the things that I did purely out of frustration, to be to be honest, was there there are some it's a game modeling system. And and somebody had showed it to me and I was like, geez, I thought I could put financials in there. And so I had to go back because, you know, people are very strict and there's statistical rules. So I had to go back, didn't want to do it, but I had to relearn statistics from college and, and took the industry statistics out there and we built a financial model that looks at customer satisfaction, that's statistically sound and really empowers a support leader without having to without having to do the statistics class or whatnot to actually see dollars and cents in their decisions and be able to present that to a CFO or a CEO when they're making the hard decisions. If I put a dollar into this, what's going to happen? We have to be able to answer that. We have to be able to answer that. And we're, we're fairly terrible at answering yeah. that question. So, just yeah. sorry, I got on a little bit of a no, tear it's, there, but it's perfect. You, you can't bring a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> and, and, or you, you can, but you know what's going to happen. So, so stop, learn, learn the business, read good to great. So, you know, the foundation of at least a lot of, you know, the 50, 60 year old CEOs out yeah. there, because that's what they had to read when they were growing up. Um, so you know the vernacular, you know the language, and then and then it's not about being right or wrong. It's about understanding your perspective and being able to communicate with others effectively. So learn their language. It's not their job to do it. It's our job to do it. So if that means you got to go like look up your stats book or or take a quick online class about finances so you know what the rule of 40 is, do it. I wish I had done that 20 years earlier. Better yeah, late than never, though, I guess. But Of course. <laughs> it's well said. I, I, I love it. On some level, I think we're – we're coming at this, at this, um, we're beginning to quantify behavior, which is a difficult thing to do because before we looked at, you know, we looked at it as sticks and carrots. Like we can use money to provide this carrot to someone, or we can take this money away and provide a stick to them. But I think that that's kind of like, pretty simplistic it's like saying good or bad like there's way more complexity to it and you know what does it mean when we look way down the line and we see a happy customer who will always be with the company like what is that worth well we don't have the research we don't thoroughly know so it kind of gets thrown out of the lab as a subjective idea well that's subjective we can't measure that we can't contain it so we're not going to talk about it but it seems like over the last few years we're really beginning to see you know terms like like uh, customer behavior, you know, and it, it's interesting to, to put emotions into money and, and see this kind of thing moving forward as not separate, but together. Like, wow, yeah, the, the end result of the customer's behavior will translate into X amount of revenue in four years. Like, that's a pretty... We have to, we have right. to identify that. Yes. We have agreed. to. And we don't... Because... Customer experience people generally are not your mathematicians. Yep. Um, there are some exceptions out there, which is really awesome when you meet them, but but they're not. And and that part of the conversation, we just we end up being the person that did bring the knife to the gunfight. You know, and um, <laughs> I, I sorry to keep sharing stories, but let me share no, another one. This is this is this is a. Uh, this is very true because it involves me, but my, my wife and I, we shop at Walmart neighborhood market. So in the U.S., uh, Walmart, you know, renowned for their great customer experience, also has a grocery store that offers about the same level of experience. I'm being very sarcastic. 
and we're in the South Bay of Los Angeles. So we have the Albertsons and the Morales and the Vaughns and the Hannaford brothers and all of like the really, really great stores, probably within a mile of us as well. But we go to Walmart neighborhood market and we were driving back and, and I, I had this moment of reflection. I was like, oh my gosh, I am such a hypocrite. I am on LinkedIn too many hours every day talking and expounding about the customer experience and I'm driving back from freaking Walmart neighborhood market. What a hypocrite. And like it hit and it hit me and I was thinking about it. Luckily, and you can tell me if I'm rationalizing my way out of this one or not, but then it occurred to me that maybe I wasn't a hypocrite and maybe I was paying less money at Walmart because the customer experience was equally crappy at all of the stores, you know? So I, I, I had to wait, you know, behind eight people in line, you know, to check out. I could have went to Albert's and paid more for my food and still waited eight people in, behind in line, right? There was mm -hmm. no difference. So I'm not completely stupid. I'm going to go spend less money for the same experience. And, and a lot of companies now have come to this reckoning Again, decisions had to be made, right. right or wrong, in the beginning of the year. And most SaaS companies, you have to sign a contract. Usually it's an annual contract, right? So decisions were made. Presumably, you know, some customer experience was cut. And now these contracts have been coming up for renewal. And now people are having that Walmart versus Albertsons kind of moment, like, Shit, I uh, excuse my language. Um, I'm <clears throat> why why am I gonna pay George more when I can pay somebody else less and there's no difference? So customer experience really, really matters. Now, if those grocery stores, any one of them provided an elevated experience, you, that's where we're going. You know what I mean? But until that day comes, we're, we're not. And, and a lot of companies right now are out there that had to make, that had to make uh, decisions, you know, and I'm tiptoeing around, you know, making cuts, riffs yeah. and things like that. Uh, support and service got impacted very hard. And now customers are having their Walmart moment. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when we talk about grocery stores, there's a trend and this could just be my idea of it. But when I see all these like self checkout machines, like I, I, I get so infuriated. Like it seems to me <laughs> like a big, uh, you know, like a, like a tech company came to all the groceries. Like, look, I got a perfect way. You don't have to deal with employees. You have to pay them vacation to deal with their dumb. You don't have to deal yep. with these knuckleheads anymore. And you get to keep all that money for yourself, man. It's going to be so awesome. You're going to go right over here. People are going to train people to do your job. We're going to train these monkeys to do all the job your employees do. Isn't that great? It's going to be so awesome for you. And like, the, there's a, there's a store by my house that did it. And like, they, they got rid of like almost all their checkers. They put out all these machines and people would stand in line and be like, I'm going to wait. And they would get super pissed. Like, why don't we have more checkers over here? And like, I, yeah. sometimes I saw the owner. He was like, you guys want to use the machines? And I'd be like, I think those machines are horrible. I, why, why don't you, why don't you drop your prices? If you're going to use those machines, what about all the employees you laid off? You know? And like, it just rubs so many people the wrong way. It doesn't have to like, why don't you give back to the customer? If you're going to cut all that, why don't you give back to the customer? Like, why don't you make the service better for everybody? And that seems to be the methodology that harkens back to the budget. It's like, listen, there's more than the race to the bottom. Now that's very naive. And maybe that's easy for me to say, because I don't run that store. I don't have to deal with the budget. It's uh -huh. super easy for me to say that. And I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be empathetic there, but it seems like it could be a win-win. Like, couldn't you drop some prices or couldn't you have some sort of specials or couldn't you have one day a month where people use the machines or you could set up something around it so people could feel like they're part of it instead of just, we're taking it all for us now. You know yeah. what I mean? Is that too crazy? No, it's not crazy at all. It's pretty, it's a pretty common viewpoint too. The, the, the thing when at least from right from my my expertise my experience in SaaS companies um when you start 
competing on price, you lose. Yeah. It it very few companies are a Ryanair <laughs> or or you know similar kind of things like that. Right. Competing competing on price is a is a fool's errand. Don't do it. Then your your story also reminds me a lot of uh, kind of the debate discussion discourse going on in this year you know around ai yeah around ai and and i have i have very passionate mixed feelings i think there is absolutely like a good place for ai make humans better humans yeah. better faster quicker humans uh although May, like maybe you can tell me if you feel if you feel differently. I have never had a non-allergic reaction to a chatbot when I needed support or service. I'm always like, oh crap, you know, I've got to I've got to do this. Like, oh, I hope it I hope it works. Okay, how do I get to a human? How do I get to a human? Human, and um, a lot of comp a lot of companies, you know, it's the equivalent of hey, you know, cut Sally Sue, cut you know Joe Snuffy here. Put a chatbot in there. Customers are like me, I think. Yeah. Uh, check my consensus bias a little bit, but I think are like me, and are like, oh my god, I don't want to do this. Anything mm -hmm. but this, please. Mm -hmm. Oh, you I don't agree. have a chatbot? I'll go over there. I'll go mm -hmm. over there and and uh, give you my money instead because you have checkers. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting, and on some level. I think that those signals can get mixed. It's like, look, we're saving money. Are you, or is just no one want to deal with your stuff? Especially when it comes to healthcare. How many people hang up the phone? Cause like, you know what? I can't even deal with this right now. And they're like, look, look at that. You're saving all kinds of money, but you're also <laughs> de destroying your service at the same time. Like yep. it's interesting to think about. I think we'll figure it out. I, I got to think that, you know, you had mentioned that the, the opinion that I gave about checkers seems to be pretty common. And so the feedback has to be there. You know, I, how long can you sit in your store and see customers lined up to wait for that one checker and be like, this is ridiculous. And how many of those people start going somewhere else? You know, it's, uh -huh. it, it, it must be a very interesting predicament for someone who sees the potential rewards of saving so much and the potential of what it could be versus what's actually happening. That gets us back to human behavior. You know, there's got to yeah. be a line in there somewhere. We're like, okay, this is not working, but it works in Japan, I, man. It works there. Why doesn't it work here? You know? how, do, how do you think the checker with nine people in line feels? Horrible. Horrible. They're stressed out of their mind. So, like, it's ridiculous. So are I can't they, do all this. Yeah. So, I mean, are they going, if you go back to like our initial, initial thing, taking care of your employees, right? right. They're going to take care yeah. of your customers. So what's going to happen? Yeah. They're going to lose them. You, you know, so it's, there are there are a lot of uh, overlaps between you know the customer experience and finance and employee employee experience is, mm -hmm. is ginormous in my mind. Um, but you know I I would leave you know I would leave the audience with a, a few things like one, um, please, please, please don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Learn about finances ask i've never had a cfo say no i won't explain this to you yeah if you don't know something learn about it and ask somebody and it's okay um employee experience is is the enabler for amazing customer experience yeah so treat your customers or excuse me treat your employees the way you want them to treat your customers and if you do that, your employees are going to treat your customers even better. And then lastly, customer experience matters. Think of the Walmart story. Put yourself, put yourself in those shoes or, or think about a time that you've discontinued a service and you've went somewhere else and ask yourself why. Those are all great points. And they're, they're, those are great stories for people to learn from it and see themselves in. Do you see the... Another shift that I kind of see taking place is this idea of like the creator economy. Sometimes when it looks like the walls are falling down, there's change from the ground up. And you know, people go out on their own and they're able to find new ways to provide value to places. Do you see that landscape changing? Like maybe because there is some people being laid off, 
people are beginning to harness AI in a way they may not have done before. They say it's people change through inspiration or desperation. What are some of the changes you see on the forefront as far as as, as the new economy emerging? Uh, so that's a that's a fascinating question. Um, AI in particular, we haven't figured out yet, right? So we have we have it, we have a lot of early adopters, and and we had a lot of rifts, and and we're about to go through a lot of merger and acquisitions, which is the tail end of a not recession. That way. So, so, but but that's already starting to happen. Um, we haven't figured out AI yet. There is a place for it. Um, I'll give you I'll give you an example. Like there is a tool called Sentisum out there. Um, it's used in it's used by tech companies, um, typically B two C or business to customer, right? So consumers. And I'm sure that you've got, I'm sure that you've gotten a survey before, right? That either said, would you recommend us to a friend, family, colleague, or a follow-up, like how was, how would you rate Shane in the support interaction, right? You get those. And those are important. They're feedback. They're feedback for sure. Um, they're not the end all be all. Um, now imagine, imagine you could look at, every support ticket for this entire year, what everybody has said and aggregate, aggregate that up into some common themes, good or bad. Um, that's called support operations, by the way, or a part of support operations. And it's tedious and it's hard and, and AI can do that now. This product can do that can tell you almost in real time, like, here are the themes, this is what's breaking. And, and that has the real customer sentiment in it. When I, you know, when I swear at Shane in my ticket or, or whatnot, oh, I'm mad, you know, that's, that's real. Um, and AI has a huge place to play in that regard. Probably, probably in not every case, you know, the uh, AI chatbot, maybe in some cases, uh, though it's not, it doesn't replace a human. It doesn't replace a human connection. Right. Right. Um, go check out through your Walmart at the, you know, the auto scan one. And it's no different probably than the other grocery store. There's no connection there. Good news is, you know, it's a consistent experience, but it's just a plain vanilla, probably a plain vanilla experience. Didn't have an opportunity to create a moment in memory with you. Anyway, sorry, you got me, you're giving me on all my soapboxes. Good, good. That's interesting. When I think about AI, I see it as like a, this tool that's similar to a mirror. I think AI is us. And when we look at it, we get scared sometimes like that's horrible look at what's happening but it's just a reflection of us maybe ai and a support operation can help us understand our problem and then we in the human condition can fix it because the ai can tell us this is the problem look at these cuss words and look at the way these people are acting but then you can take that and be like okay i can see the emotion from this external force now now i can begin to understand what i need to do to change it you know, you, you ever like hear your voice on a tape recording? Like, oh my gosh, I sound like that. Or <laughs> someone plays back something that was a was a, a horrible instance of a fight. And you're like, I cannot believe I express myself that way. Yeah. I think that's what AI is doing on a grand scale. And we're looking at it like, oh no, AI is a huge problem. No, we're a huge problem. We don't thoroughly convey meaning when we need to. We find these extravagant ways to say things without actually doing them. You know, it's like we can use all kinds of fine. Like when we talk about statistics, numbers don't lie, but you can make them say whatever you want to. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I have <laughs> <of> that game. <laughs> but AI has a way of putting it in context. Like, look at this. How are you going to how are you going to use your numbers to paper over this particular detrimental problem to your business? Let me see you do that. You know, and I think we're in the process of 
of learning how to convey meaning. And that's another way the customer experience is, is, is getting better. Like if, if a brand has a brand, what is the meaning of that brand? Is it service? Is it longevity? Is it um, the fact that they'll, they'll like Costco will take back anything? Like what is your brand message and what does it mean to people? Because we got away from that for a while. It was this race to the bottom. And I'm not saying it's anybody's fault. It's probably the consumer's fault as much as the the, the leadership's fault is that we demand more for less. I mean, that, maybe that's a problem from us too. We, we get what you deserve in some ways, but I, I'm hopeful that AI is this mirror that can show us the problem and then we can re-inject the human condition in there and fix it. What do you think? I I. I agree. I mean, I agree that AI AI is built on a language learning model, right? Or yeah. LLM. And guess guess who put the words in the language, you know, to be <laughs> modeled on? You know, we did. So yeah, you know, garbage in, garbage out, or or whatnot. Um, until the machines start thinking for themselves, which will happen. Um, it is a reflection on us. And your point around, uh, you know, the race to the bottom, there's an interesting uh, statistic, <laughs> an interesting uh, statistic that came out this year. It used to be an insult. Um, we would say somebody doesn't have the attention span of a goldfish. Mm -hmm. And I, my number, I believe the attention span, they have figured out the attention span of a goldfish, I believe is eight seconds eight and a half seconds nine seconds somewhere in there and as of this year the average human's attention span is 7.5 seconds we did it goldfish <laughs> <laughs> so, goldfish have a higher attention span if you were to believe you know these statistics um than than a human and you know the one, one real example of this is uh, when back in the beginning, around the dot bomb days, our attention span was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 13 seconds. And why is that important in support? It's important because when somebody picks up the phone and calls, um, you need to pick up the phone in a certain amount of time, right? And if I pick up the phone in two seconds or I pick up the phone in eight seconds, hygienically it, it's, there's no difference, right? So, so you don't need to staff to pick up the phone in two seconds. You can pick it up in eight seconds and yeah. that's okay. And what you can't do is, is pick it up in like 50 minutes. <laughs> right and yeah. that's when you frustrate customers so answering the telephone in a in a short period of time short enough period of time is, is considered a hygienic satisfaction criteria right mm -hmm. and doesn't make a happy customer but it doesn't torque them off either right and what using this very specific example and the human's attention spans going down that compresses that timeline now it's more expensive to pick up the phone. You know, maybe I do need to pick it up in two seconds. So, so it's it's really it's really interesting how all this is impacting. You know, um, the, I think the customer experience, the customer journeys, and in, in of themselves, and human attention spans a big big part of it. Because I'm I'm my worst customer. If I can make me happy, if I can make me happy. 99 out of 100 people, I guarantee you, are going to be delighted. Yep. So so I, I know how I feel, and I know I'm a really, really, really harsh critic, and I'm nice. I'm kind, going back to the ET, but but um, I definitely vote with my feet, you know, and won't go back to a place yeah, unless there is value in it for me. So it's a changing world, my friend. Changing the world. AI, AI, it's going to be buckle your seatbelt for another year or two. Yeah. I, I'm i really bullish on it. I I realize that with any sort of technology comes change, like the same way the internet changed the way we model reality or the same way the books gave us ideas like exact repeatability. 
-hmm. you know, I, I speak to a lot of teachers when my kid goes to school and there was, there's, I think there's a debate at their school as much as there is a debate in the world of education that speaks to the idea of, wow, kids are just going to have all their papers written or something like that. But, you know, maybe, maybe for this initial phase, this, this courting phase, if you will, we're learning like the easy things about the machine, the same way we learn the easy things we're attracted to people, but that relationship matures. And, you know, maybe for education, uh, and this is just an example of how we may use AI in the future, is that we get away from the linear idea of education is writing a paper and reciting it. Maybe the, the next generation of education is writing a paper and you get graded on that and then performing that material in a different way. Maybe you got, maybe you got to do a dance to do it or give us a poem or do them both, you know, like then you have to explain why the dance you did is equivalent to that information. Now, all of a sudden you're getting to use different and seeing from different modalities and different perspectives. Like, Oh, it's up there. Look up here. This is the way it is, you know, and maybe you get a better understanding, but it's just this initial courtship. That's really dangerous and scary and, and alien to us in some ways. Is that yeah. too far out there? Like, do you, do you, do you see that on the horizon as a potential good for the AI? I, I, you know, I, I can say I uh, concur with everything, you know, you just said. I I also feel like I I don't know what AI is going, you know, what's going to come of it. I've seen some really, really terrible use cases. Um, yeah. And I've seen some really amazing use cases as well and implementations. Um, I use it. I use it for some things like I, if I run into a problem on my website or a plugin that needs to be something like that, chat GPT is like hands down, like, yeah. holy cow, way better than, way better than Google. But I would never, ever, ever, ever write a post on LinkedIn and put it up there. And I can smell them like two blocks down and one over, you know, the ones that do use it. They're awful. They don't connect. And, um, so I, I think we're going to figure it out as we go. I think we're going to figure it out as we go. I hope, I hope it goes okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a really interesting question. Probably not the answer you wanted, but. It's, of course it is. It's a beautiful answer. I love, I love learning and I, I'm hopeful that it teaches us more about, on, on some levels, I wonder, does AI have a culture? Like, you know, if, if you look at the Western culture where we seem to focus on, you know, uh, we, our family structure is we we tend to separate the family. Like the old folks go to an old folks home, the kids go to school, and then the parents go to work. But we all go these different ways. And like an Eastern culture, the family unit is much more tighter. Mm. You know, now I'm wondering if on some level does AI have its own culture? You know, is it is it the melding of two cultures together? I, I go way out in the woods, man. When I start thinking about it, like, what, what does that mean? How does it change? How, maybe it's an agent of change for culture, you know? And yeah. It's yeah. so fun to think about. And, and it's such a powerful technology. And I feel like we have this incredible tool in our hand. But instead of using it, we're trying to figure out the best way to hold it. Like, I think you should put two fingers here. Nope, put one over here. But yeah. hey, how about we start yeah. using this thing to see what happens, man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool. It'd be interesting. Buckle, buckle your seatbelt. So. Sure. I think so. Yeah. Shane, this is amazing. I love, I really love our conversation. I love the fact that you, you don't pull back any punches. You're very candid and you, you're happy to talk about whatever we got going on. And it's, it's, it seems to be a testament to the, the, the Everetics foundation. And I'm, I'm real thankful. I hope people can go down into the show notes and, and dig into what you're doing and book a call with you. And what is the best way, maybe before I let you go, where can people find you? What do you have coming up and what are you excited about? Oh, well, so the easiest, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm there way too much. Uh, <laughs> so Shane Smith. Uh, my website is uh, Everetics, so everetics.com. So E-V-E-R-I-T-I-C-S. Um, and my email is really simple. It's Shane at everetics.com. So, so feel <laughs> free to reach out to me that way. Um, on the website, you can book some time if you'd like to, you know, meet and have an introduction and we can talk through really whatever. Uh, I, I am a self-proclaimed not salesman. So uh, <laughs> what I like to say is like book a time and, you know, who knows, we might just have a good conversation. 
and that's okay. So, uh, so I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But everetics.com, Shane at everetics.com, or hit me up on LinkedIn anytime. Fantastic. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, go down to the show notes, book a chat. He's a fascinating guy to talk to, and um, we've had multiple conversations, and I feel like I get to walk away with new insights. So I really appreciate it. Hang on briefly afterwards. I'd like to speak for a moment afterwards, but to the people that are watching and listening, I hope you have a beautiful weekend. I hope the rest of your day goes amazing, and thank you for tuning in and having some fun with us today. That's all we got. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.